That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Badger Radio. Welcome back to our new show, Totem. We've got a new release from the Newbin Twist to kick off today's show. It's out on the 27th of May on Worm Food as part of their mini album, Silent Song. And they're touring the UK all through May and early June if you want to hear these horns live. This is Newbin Twist with Headhunter. <laughs>
beauties and welcome back to our new show with me freddie drabble called totem totem continues to bring you fantastic listeners the best dancing music from across the planet both new and old at times even ancient but it doesn't stop there we're going to be looking into a wide range of holistic performance and musical practices and interviewing the innovators and with the help of our magical badger totem we're aiming to get to the bottom of the mysteries of the human soul and to access the infinite joy and abundance we believe it's our earth-born right and responsibility to enjoy so because of artful badger's roots offering conscious dance practice workshops which in a very short time blossomed into fully fledged dance parties we've always been interested in the conscious party concept so on today's show we're going to be looking into conscious partying Most of the music we're going to hear today, both retro and modern, is born from the idea of raising awareness and conscious vibration. We're going to be interviewing the wonderful Sam Moyo, co-creator of Morning Gloryville, with its worldwide network of healthy early morning raves, to try and understand better why the world is seeing a resurgence of these conscious events. And to get a better sense of the history and the original intentions of the movement, we're going to be talking to UK beat legend and London mayoral candidate Lee Harris, who's lived as a passionate advocate of raising consciousness and promoting social change since the counterculture's inception in the 60s. So today Totem is asking two simple questions. What is Conscious Party? And is it an effective way of raising consciousness? So sit back, strap in, and in an adaptation of the words of Timothy Leary by himself, turn on, tune in, drop out, and drop back in again. Oh yes. I've fallen back in love with Quantic recently, thanks to my brother sending me some absolute gems. I'd forgotten how seamlessly he blends reggae, trip-hop, dub, jazz, and funk with his own tropical twist about this spring on his Tropical Elevation World Tour, so you might still be able to catch a UK gig. This one's from his 2008 album, Death of a Revolution, on the amazing True Thoughts label based in Brighton. We've also got other geniuses like the Hidden Orchestra and the Hot 8 Brass Band who are well worth checking out. This is Quantic with Mi Chocolatina.
conception of conscious partying has been around as long as the peace movement launched by American activists against the Vietnam War in the 60s. Keynote events include famous concerts like Woodstock in 69, billed as three days of peace and music, and the Festival of Peace in NYC in 1970, fronting talents like Joplin, Steppenwolf, Paul Simon, Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock. These events took celebrations of music and gave them a clear message and intention. This conscious party tradition steadily grew and was used again by social change activists in the early 90s, following the huge success of the underground rave culture. A strong example of this was Frank Clark's Megatripolis Club Night, which Lee, who we're going to speak to in a little while, was heavily involved in. It championed experimental arts, spoken word and the sharing of information about environmental, geopolitical and social campaigns, alongside, of course, the jump-up party music. The inspiration for this format continued with events like the Multimedia Warp project and on into the 2000s with the Synergy nightclub at SE1. And it's been growing in popularity and diversity ever since. We're seeing all kinds of sober yoga dance raves, ecstatic dance ceremonies, sacred music jams, cacao rituals and conscious festivals across the Western world. These gatherings use celebration as an opportunity to share creativity and knowledge. So today we're asking, can a party really be conscious? Why a party and not a conference, a workshop or an exhibition? Is having fun not just frivolous when faced with the important messages of social change and art? The key to the answers seems to be within this concept of celebration, which is traditionally a joyful occasion in the company of your community set to music and dancing. Does that experience have some special effect on consciousness? Hopefully after these interviews, we'll be able to answer these questions, or at least we'll be able to make up our minds for ourselves. I imagine that you interstellar listeners already have loads of opinions on this and other subjects we're going to be getting into on Totem. So you can always let me know what you think and send music requests by email to freddy at artfulbadger.org. That's freddy with a Y at artfulbadger.org. Please do write and let me know what you think and what you'd like to hear and I'll get it out on the next show. Oh, it brings it all back for me, this totally legendary 95 track Shamanics from Hallucinogen on the appropriately named Twisted Records. I'm really looking forward to getting into the Megatripolis era of the mid-90s with Lee Harris later on, so don't go away. But rather than let this one play out, let's come straight up to date and hear a new track championing social change in the party context. It's Borders from the undercover hippie. And it's a fundraiser for Crisis Aid's Refugee Crisis Appeal following the Syria refugee crisis, which I'm sure you know has been confirmed as the largest in modern history. 
Billy's calling for the government to encourage national compassion rather than scapegoat thinking, saying, our compassion for one another, regardless of race, religion or nationality, is our most powerful weapon against extremist ideologies, both economic and religious. We are one people. So you can find out all about Billy's ironic but hard-hitting music at billyrowan.co.uk. And you can also donate directly to the appeal there, so none of your generosity is lost on commissions. Please share it far and wide as it's a really good cause. Really spot-on lyrics here from the undercover truthmonger. This is Borders. We put up the borders that board us into our boxes. Oh, can't you see now the locksmith lies Stoking up the national pride While they're keeping all the wealth inside We put up the borders that board us into our boxes Oh, can't you see now the locksmith lies Stoking up the national pride While they're keeping all the wealth inside We put up the borders To keep out the needy man borders to protect the greedy man borders To keep all the living men dead, dead, dead Putting up the borders That separate us from our fellow human beings Emphasizing difference instead of seeing the reflections that connect us Connections that perfect us Similarities of factors that affect us in our everyday existence in this planet that we all live upon Six billion expressions of the same essential one, the same essential force That fundamental source of energy that manifests itself in oh so many different forms And it's all alright and all okay and that's just fine you know But me I know that sometimes you have to draw the lines just to make sense of what you see of this reality but understand the lines you draw only exist within your mind it's the illusion of separation whoa separating nation from nation the justification for social segregation so deep in our delusions like a world of mental patience now it's time to tear down the asylum walls and let the patients out it's time to let the refugees inside and share the wealth about it's time that we all understand we are just one land, just one people, people It's time to make a stand and say no whoa, whoa, whoa. I won't go, whoa, whoa. I won't go quietly, no, no, no I won't go quietly, no, no, no And if I do, well you should know You can't trap my soul Trap my soul that poured us into our boxes Oh can't you see now how the locksmith lies Stoking up the national pride But keeping all the wealth inside We put up the borders that poured us into our boxes Very astute rhymes from the undercover hippie Billy Rowan here Get onto his website to donate to the Refugee Crisis Appeal but without further ado, it's time for the Badger News. It's been another jam-packed year for the Artful Badger. After winning the Spirit of the Festival Award at the Vaults Festival in 2015, Artful Badger's dance theatre troupe, The Company of Animals, returned to the vaults in January with a mesmerising series of pieces which succeeded in capturing the audience and the press alike. 
our next theatrical party and exceptional expedition is coming up on Saturday the 21st of May at the iconic Passing Clouds in Dalston in collaboration with one of our favourite festivals, Pete the Monkey, where we'll be performing in July in Normandy. Check Facebook for dressing up themes. It's going to be an almighty party. The source is misappropriated. From the living and hot off the press, our Wild Workshops programme is finally coming to London this winter from October to April 2017 at the Evolve Wellness Centre in West London helping all you urban junglers to get in touch with your wild side. Here you'll be able to choose from a fantastic range of therapeutic, expressive and empowering techniques, including mass medicine, ecstatic dance, bioenergetics and ritual performance workshops. We're also hosting a brand new venue at the Wilderness Festival in the Valley, spicing up their light night programme. And in the day we've also got the wild workshops off-site in the Virgin Woodland. And the company of animals are going to be in the theatre tent on Thursday night and presenting an extra special piece on the wilderness stage. So for details of all this, join our mailing list on the website at artfulbadger.org, follow us on Mixcloud and Soundcloud, and keep an eye on Facebook too for costume themes and audience participation projects. Well, you should know, you can't trap my soul. Oh, can't you see now the locksmith lies Stoking up the national pride But keeping all the wealth inside We put up the borders that poured us into our boxes can't you see now the locksmith lies Stoking up the national pride But keeping all the wealth inside We put up the borders that brought us into our boxes Oh can't you see now the locksmith lies Stoking up the national pride But keeping all the wealth inside So before we chat to Sam Moyo from Morning Glory Bill, rave your way into the day, I think we're going to need some electronic music to get us into that Morning Glory Bill headspace. So this is one from Seb Ledger's 2013 album Back to Basics on the French label Mistakes Music. Seb's always had a uniquely melodic and instrumental take on Tech House. But this track seems to take that to new levels and weirdly seems to be one of his lesser known tunes. Anyway, thanks to DJ Daniel Danger Farrow for putting me onto this one. This is Seb Ledger with Magic Sand. Quick dance! 
It's time to speak to the first of our very, very special guests on today's show, Sam Moyo. Sam's a Zimbabwean-born social innovator and entrepreneur who challenges social norms across the board. And she is also the co-founder of Morning Gloryville, Rave Your Way Into The Day. Hi, Sam, and welcome to Totem. Thanks so much for taking the time out to talk to us. How are you? I'm really good, thanks, Freddie. Thanks for inviting me on. It's our pleasure. So, Sam, healthy raving in the mornings is becoming hugely popular. And it's a strong example of the surge in the popularity of these conscious events across the West that we're discussing. At these events, massive endorphin highs of dancing vigorously are combined with the benefits of being sober, enjoying holistic practices like massage and yoga, and intense nutrition in the form of super juicing and raw cacao. Uh, This trend was started by yourselves at Morning Gloryville in the UK and Daybreaker in the US around 2013, but has inspired a massive host of new events worldwide, uh, including Shake Awake and Deep House Yoga in the USA, uh, Rise and Shine in New Zealand, uh, Yoga Rave and Kudalini Clubbing in the UK, uh, and We Rise in Canada. So Sam, maybe just for those few listeners who may not Uh, know about this idea of morning raving and and kind of conscious clubbing. What exactly is Morning Gloryville and what were your inspirations to launch it? Um, Morning Gloryville is an early morning dance party uh, with only one rule, no drink or drugs. Um, We start at 6.30 in the morning and go till 10.30. And what we're encouraging is for people to come dance before they go to work. Um, We offer free massage, there's yoga, we have theatrics going on around the space and some world-class DJs. Um, it's mm. just a, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a party, basically the best party. And what um, about the inspirations to launch it? Like what, what, what kind of inspired you at the very beginning? Yeah, so um, it was me and a friend um, who started it um, a few years ago. And really, we just had this shared vision for conscious clubbing. We both partied a lot. Um, I won't go into that um, (laughs) right now. (laughs) We both partied a lot and saw that what we were doing was unsustainable. But there really wasn't anything that we felt we could go to where we could be really wild, dance and not have those temptations around us, you know, call us week but uh, <laughs> you know we we, we we created morning gloryville because we we needed a space like that you mm. know it's often the best measure isn't it i mean did you ever yeah. imagine that it would take off worldwide to this extent no not initially initially you know uh, i think whenever you start a creative project it's because you feel passionate about it yourself you don't really think that everyone else is going to feel as passionate about it so it was a real surprise when morning gloryville um you know uh, kicked off and we had all the press and people coming to us and asking for morning gloryville in lots of different parts of the world um, still to this day we have hundreds of emails from people saying please bring Bring Morning Gloryville to us, and they've never been, you know. So and how many how many countries uh, um, have have a Morning Glory event these days? Yeah, we launched in twenty three cities around the world, um, wow. and we've kind of stopped there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you had to take stock at twenty three. It's only yeah. been three years. Yeah. So, what do you exactly. think? What do you think you're offering um, that really mo- motivates and fulfills your fans so much? I mean, is it, has it evolved from what you were originally looking for yourselves that caused you to, 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 to offer this? I mean, what is it that really motivates them to get up so early and come and come and find you? 
I think what um, really motivates everyone is they know they're coming into a space where no one's going to care who they are, what they're wearing, how they're going to dance, what age they are or anything. And they're coming into a space that's um, purely focused on positivity. And so it's a little bit, it it, it sort of pulls you, (laughs) you're pulled to Morning Gloryville because you just know you're going to have a brilliant time, really liberated, no one's going to care and you can let loose whatever that is you not know? judge and not be judged exactly yeah and you know it's positivity through shared experience the shared experience aspect we believe is one of the you know the things that make it a success the fact that every, we get 800 people in london coming together no one you know no one enjoys that morning no one wants to walk through the rain in the morning completely sober to a rave but once you get there wow that energy in the room just really lifts you some people say it's medicine some people say it's therapy some people People say it's fitness, you know, it can be whatever you want it to be, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Do you do you think that conscious clubbing, as you've kind of dubbed it, do you think that conscious clubbing's popularity is part of a wider tendency towards a different kind of celebration? And if 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 so, what what kind of celebration is it that we're seeing a tendency towards? Um I think there's a, you know, we're part, we're a tiny cog in um, the global um, consciousness movement that's happening all over the world. You know, Mm. people are are just, you know, people everywhere becoming more aware about their health, you know, well-being, how they treat each other, um, the planet. And we are, you know, we are a part of that. Um, In terms of celebration, I think people are starting to realize the importance of celebrating themselves and their community in a really pure form and looking after each other, you know, mm. in a nurturing, nourishing way. So, yeah, I hope that, that answers that. I think it does, Sam. I think the, mm. you're right on the money. We're going to take a short break for some music now um, and we'll be right back with you in a, in a short while with Sam with some more some more questions to try and get deeper into this. We're going to play some Fat Boy Slim, who I understand Sam uh, played the most mind-blowing uh, set for you guys last year and he, he had such beautiful things to say um, you know he's been sober for over six years and for him it was such an amazing treat he, I think he even said as we'll hear in a moment that it was probably the best crowd he'd ever played to really interesting coming from a DJ who's obviously very used to playing in these very very sort of drugged up and alcoholed up kind of places Yes, um, that was that event literally blew my mind. And I mean, after you know, 24 Morning Gloryvilles to have an event that really, truly was mind-blowing is really is something to talk about. And to see Norman um, really letting go and enjoying himself and um, interacting with the crowd in that way was just yeah. an was, unforgettable was, memory, you he know? He was shining. He was shining. There was just yeah. light pouring out of his, his, his smile. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, be right, we'll be right back with Sam in a minute. Don't go away. Thank you very much to everyone from Morning Gloryville for having me. Especially the crowd, it really, I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying that, I was, having been sober for six years and played so many drunk crowds, I kind of thought, yeah, that sort of still worked, but playing sober to a sober crowd who are as stupid as you, took it to a new level of, 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 of clarity and yet stupidity at the same time. And I thank you for that, I really, um, I was really quite emotional. A super touch, fat boy slim there. 
clarity and stupidity at the same time. Hmm. Perhaps that's what conscious partying's all about. It's a bit cheeky, but I'm going to play a track from his Big Beat days on his compilation album, Better Living Through Chemistry, released on Skin in 96, because it's more up my street than his recent stuff. But check these old school 303 oscillator and drum machine sounds. This is next to nothing. Okay, welcome back. Um, we're with Sam Moyo of Morning Gloryville here. So Sam, we're seeing, as I said, a massive eruption of popularity for these conscious practice uh, gatherings in the UK and across the West. Ecstatic dance, yoga, meditation, healing festivals, tai chi, cacao and ayahuasca ceremonies, massage, intentional communities. Where, where do you think underground rave culture fits in to this surge. I mean, are we a dying breed, us old ravers? What's the next step in in this evolution for dance music? Um, I can't really comment on the evolution for dance music, but I can comment on the fact that people um, all over the world are just becoming a bit more down to earth in realizing that we need to get back to basics. You know, we've all been, um, you know, um, lured in by drugs, alcohol, colorful things and everything. And um, there's been a bit of like soul being lost within the entertainment industry. And all that's happening now with this conscious um, conscious clubbing movement is that people are starting to just enjoy that music and each other again without being affected. Where it's headed, I really, I'm just not sure, but I can see um, there being less, um, uh, sorry, there being more sober, sober nights out, more sober clubs um, and the entertainment industry just loving music and the rave again. And 
the old school ravers, they're the people who inspire me. They're the people who inspired the Morning Gloryville movement. And it's really beautiful to see these, um, you know, 90s ravers coming and enjoying Morning Gloryville and all the other conscious events. Like, really, they are our teachers. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where we all end up. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. do you think that it's interesting or ironic? Because from a dance culture that was primarily centered around mind-altering substances so many sober celebrations are evolving out of that very culture the vision that we received you know in those those times of of kind of crazy out there drug taking i mean nowadays they're saying it's hip to be straight you know is this ironic or is it just really beautiful um, I think it's really beautiful, you know, uh, with the 60s counterculture, um, you know, the whole, uh, you know, acid tripping, everything, that was that was beautiful. But in the end, it did take us to the punk revolution where everyone was really angry and uh, uh, anarchic. Whereas at the moment, there's been a bit of a turn from, you know, let's revolutionize everything to actually let's be a bit more evolutionary and a bit more peaceful in wanting and creating the change we see for our world so this movement of conscious clubbing um, you know works hand in hand we're kind of suggesting that if people are coming together gathering in more conscious ways um, and looking after themselves the way we look at how to solve some of the world's problems will be much more um, effective and less well will less likely lead to wars and loads of protests and rather solutionizing you know Sam, thank you so much. This has really, really helped us to understand the, the you know, a, a, one of the strongest examples of the evolution of these conscious events. Um, but despite the, the joyful success of your events, I know you've got other projects on the ball. One of your hobbies, obviously, you know, in this kind of job, you work quite closely with musicians and with DJs. One of your hobbies is to get into the studio every once in a while. Can you tell us a little bit about this track that you made with Felix? Yeah, um, um, so Felix Buxton um, has been an incredible mentor over the last few years um, for me and I sometimes go and visit him and one day I visited him in the studio, him and Andrea um, and the Atlantic, Atlantic Jacks team and he literally shoved me into a studio and just said, start singing. It doesn't matter what you sing, just start singing. And um, <laughs> Straight out of the heart, pouring yeah, your heart literally out. literally straight out of the heart and that's what came out and next thing I know they're writing music over it and, um, and it becomes a song um, and then a few weeks later they're like we've got the song ready and I'm like oh great and they're like do you want to film the music video what are you up to I was like I'm meeting some friends in a park next thing I knew we were in a park filming with all my friends so hopefully we are going to hear many more of Sam's hobby projects as she pushes her philosophy out into the world with the fantastic musicians she's working with um, Sam thank you so much again for joining us here on Totem um, you've been listening to Sam Moyo uh, from Morning Gloryville. Music from the underground, only on Badger Radio. One of the Artful Badger's favourite protest bands coming up next the London Afrobeat Collective. 
They brought out their new album Food Chain last year, which continues to dig playfully at Western culture's overwhelming apathy with tracks like Celebrity Culture and First World Problems. As Felakuti once said, music is the weapon. This track, though, is in the African language of lead singer Funke Adeleke, and it offers a welcome break for us illiterates from the important issues they sing about. This is Ole, in brackets, Lazy, from the London Afrobeat Collective, and it effing rocks. I dare you not to want to dance to this.
experiencing the perfect storm of challenges. From food shortages and scarce water to insufficient energy resources. It's a time where unrest, conflict and mass migration is becoming the new norm. The predominant response to this reality has consistently led to extreme levels of violence against those most impacted by this scarcity. In times like this, the need for radically different approaches of how we relate to ourselves, those around us and those further field as part of one interconnected global society becomes increasingly urgent. Enter United Vibrations. Their new album, The Myth of the Golden Ratio, is a mythical journey, charting the loss of humanity's connection to the rhythms and patterns of nature and the dire consequences that follow. This track, Grow, seems to offer some hope and a glimpse of a solution. Oh, this. 
So before we speak to counterculture legend Lee Harris, I think it's our duty to dip the hat to the source of all our modern protest bands, the 60s. This song from Buffalo Springfield is commonly mistaken to be an anti-Vietnam song, but was actually written in response to LA police clashing with protesters for civil rights, in which Peter Fonda was arrested. They were protesting against the curfew, restricting young people from hanging out in a popular club area called the Sunset Strip. But for me, it echoes around wider issues of the day, many still relevant now. In a way, I suppose, it's similar to the hard techno that came out of our fight against the criminal justice bill in the 90s. Just a lot less hectic. I want whatever they're having, please. This is Buffalo Springfield with For What It's Worth. There's something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speaking their minds Are getting so much resistance from behind Every time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Your life it will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line The man come and take you away We better stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down We better stop Now, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down We better stop It's time to speak to our second extremely special guest, Lee Harris. Now, there's not much South African-born Lee hasn't done in his life, so he defies any sort of categorization. He's been an apartheid activist, an actor, a playwright, a poet, a writer, a journalist, a magazine and comic publisher, a shop owner, a spoken word recording artist, a father, a grandfather, and even a politician. However, he is predominantly known for being a writer of texts that were part of the underground movement in the 60s and the 70s, and also as a journalist and publisher championing all the protagonists of that movement across the whole spectrum of music, poetry, theatre and graphic novels. 
He's also really well known and hugely loved for his fantastic shop on the Portobello Road, Alchemy or Alchemy Culture Shop. His long-standing tribute to the immortality of the underground movement. It appears that fascinating alchemies seem to follow Lee around as his career is a plethora of successfully facilitated incursions of the underground values and talents into the mainstream consciousness, including Timothy Leary, Howard Marks, Julie Burchill, Peter Tosh and Tony Parsons. The list of his history-changing collaborators is long enough to fill several lifetimes. So Lee, hello and welcome to Totem. Thank you so much for taking out the time to be with us. How are you? Very well this lovely morning, and how are you? And I'm honoured to be here and speak to you. I am extremely well, Lee, and it is, I must tell you, an almighty pleasure to have such a living legend on the show. Lee, you were already campaigning for social change as a youth in the mid-50s, so your ability to see the bigger picture can really offer us a unique perspective on the many changes of the last 60 years, um, not to mention some of the best parties of all time. So Lee, when did you first attend what later became known as a conscious party? What do you remember were the features of the event that made it feel different to just any celebration? Well, uh, the the, uh, first conscious party, I suppose, was uh, going to see uh, the Pink Floyd in October 1966 at the All Saints Church Hall. I'd read about in the early IT of this group there with the Hornsey College Sound and Light Workshop. And I came along on my own and they played this amazing music and the stroboscopic lights went on and people started dancing with their bodies moving in a certain way. And I I was turned on by the experience and then I I was at that time started uh, uh, taking mind-expanding LSD and I used to go to the Pink Floyd concerts at the UFO Club and was one of the early freakouts to the early Pink Floyd. So that was my first shamanic dance experience. So obviously that's a very internal and personal uh, experience. I mean, were there any features of the event itself, um, the way it was produced or what was on offer or, or uh, that were slightly different to, let's say, just a normal concert? Well, well, it was that the dance became important. The new music was the psychedelic music made you move your body expressively. And I'm going to... Uh, and one of my uh, uh, philosophers at the time was uh, Alan Watts, who was British-born and lived in uh, California. And he said, the liberative artist lives in the mode of music instead of language. His entire activity is dancing, rhythm for its own sake, and in this way he becomes a vortex which draws others into its pattern. He perceives life in rhythms and patterns, and like a flash of lightning gives us a personal or collective revelation. That's what it's about. Alan Watts, what an absolute gift to this planet. Um, and we very much agree with this, this Alan Watts approach, you know, that, that really the truth comes through the body and, um, and it's that that we need to be listening to and not so much to our minds. Lee, moving on uh, a couple of dec- decades, in the 90s, you were a consultant programmer for Fraser Clark at the Megatripolis nightclub. 
Tell us, what did Fraser want to transmit with that program? And how did that inspire you to bring in certain talents? Well, it, it, it was an amazing club. The uh, uh, one megatropolis at heaven in uh, the West End on a Thursday night. Fraser created an amazing dance atmosphere. And it was the beginning of the psychedelic trance dance scene. And uh, he brought in all sorts of shamanic things, poets and inviting Terence McKenna to, came, uh, to come over. And he invited me to come and talk at Megatropolis on uh, 30 years, a run through 30 years of counterculture. And it was at the night of the criminal justice bill. So it was a very special night and I did my talk there and made so many wonderful friends. And then Fraser uh, had a difficulty with Bugsy who ran the club with him, Peter Moss, and Fraser had to leave and then I was invited in to bring the underground culture to this rave culture. And I had, um, I brought first Allen Ginsberg, the American poet who has been published, the Penguin Classics. Wow. And uh, here I'm appearing at the Albert Hall with Paul McCartney. And that was a special night. Mm. A th thousand young people came to listen to a 69-year-old man and the music was stopped on all the floors. It was a transcendental evening of uh, just a stone's throw where he, from where his beloved William Blake lived. So it was a very special moment. So bearing, um, you know, Fraser's intentions and obviously the, the collaborators you went on to work with after Fraser left the project, do you feel that you achieved your aims with the talents that you brought in? Yes, yes. I mean, I mean we brought in uh, Howard Marks and we tried all, I tried all sorts of things in Megatropolis. I had a direct action debate where I brought a Hans Saboteur, Reclaim the Streets and uh, Act of 88. And oh, it was difficult in the main room because as soon as the speakers come on, everybody would disappear. And I invented the slogan, E equals apathy. So I said, come on, you must open up to other things. And I was told, not when the rush comes on, you see. So, and so this I, is... I had an evening of empathy there. Yeah, this, this slightly brings me on to my next question. Often, critics undermine the credibility of such events due to the party element uh, and uh, you know do you have any doubts about the party environment being a good context for sharing art and information given that the public are so often tainted by alcohol weed and other recreational drugs I mean do you think it's an effective place to transmit art and campaigns I, I do I do think it is to hit at the social conscience of the dancing the cosmic trance dance I think if you inspire people, and I've, I've, I've got someone who's going to appear for me in a concert for my Lord Mayor thing in March the 5th, and he's a guy I met who came to my uh, psychedelic circus party in London. Mm. And he, he said, you know, I came to your party and I'm so turned on by it, he says. He said that I, I became a DJ and I am a singer, folk singer, and I have a band, and my name is Smiley. And it all came from going to your event four years ago. So, I mean, if you do some shamanic 
events and you reach out to people, you turn people on, you change people's lives. And one person is as important as a mass. So there's something very important in these shamanic events that bring people together. And, and what's interesting about this point is, is, you know, our sort of obsession in modern enlightened culture is this is rationality, intellectuality and, and ideas. Whereas from what you've been saying, one of the most transformative and effective elements of this whole movement was that it was appealing to people's hearts and to people's bodies and it was changing them through their experience, not through their minds. And that seems to be a, a strong theme. Yes, it was the wholeness, the mind, body and spirit. It was the wholeness of the human being and we're not just mind. We're, we're, we live here with our senses and we're able to touch and feel and that, that is the importance of the trance dance. It is a touching out, it's an expression, it's a, it's a reaching out to your God of, in, the, in the power of the music and the obsessive beats. It's like very, very powerful influence in shamanic and archaic influences. And the trance dance is part of, the, as I said, the vortex that draws us together. And on that note, I think it's time to take a break for some music. On Lee's request, here's a track that needs no introduction. It's Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. First freak out indeed. Oh, get the 
Welcome back, Lee. We spoke to Sam earlier about the importance of these new sober events as one large strand of the Conscious Party trend. The other main strand is the large part of the program devoted to socio-political campaigns. So NGOs, they actively seek out these events to have stalls offering information, to show films and give talks about all kinds of subjects. GM foods, privacy laws, Palestine, uh, fossil fuels, fresh water, sustainable energy, the Occupy movement, rainforest destruction, you know, big pharma, big agriculture, decriminalization of drugs, the war on terror, and, and, and loads more. Um, this is community activism at a grassroots level. Uh, in your opinion, Lee, what are some of the most important issues you've seen presented at these events? Well, there, there, there's so many different people I brought, say, to mega trivialist people who spoke on prisoners and the war on drugs, about people doing long prison sentences in different parts of the world, especially anything to do with the ecology, mm. the harmony of the planet, mm. because it, it, in, in, in the underground, the early days, in 68 was the first time I heard the word ecology mentioned, and the poet Michael McClure said it's not the uh, new left it's not political, it's ecological, it's imminent, and it must be seen to now. So there's a new way of looking at species and at the, the inhabitation and the animals and the, the whole planet. Mm. Our responsibilities, not, yeah. Yes, our responsibility and how that we must live in harmony with, with nature, not fight against it or to dominate it as Western capitalist culture is inclined to do. And do you feel that, I mean, obviously these these issues have been campaigned for, for, you know, nigh on 60 years now. I mean, do you feel there's been progress? Do you think we are sort of seeing the fruits of these campaigns? Well, yes is the answer. Some of our dreams, like my dream to legalize cannabis has taken 50 years. But I waited 38 years for apartheid to go into, for Mandela to become president. So time is longer than rope. But yes, lots of the things that started in the 60s. I mean, we first started using the word organic. People, people thought petrol was organic. So the whole movement started for natural and whole foods and uh, all sorts of awarenesses. The, the awareness of diet, which is so important. So a lot of things came out of the underground, a lot of ideas that are part of mainstream now. 
especially uh, uh, an awareness of the climate and how we pollute the world. So I think there's, uh, we, we've advanced and yet uh, society, you know, you it's not a period of just moving forward. Sometimes we go backwards as well and uh, we must find the harmony in ourselves and in the world and the world is a beautiful place and um, all our actions should be to erase negativity and turn darkness into light. So Lee, after all the change and evolution you've seen through the underground arts, music, spiritual and socio-political movement, which ways have you found most effective for inspiring enduring change? Well, it means changing people's consciousness, people's awareness that things can, that's how change comes and it takes a bit of time. But how do you do that? What's the best technique for really getting right in there? Into well, that some, some people uh, think and I feel too uh, uh, defiance, <laughs> a passive defiance, not necessary violence. Because sometimes I, I learned as a young guy in South Africa, and there were racist laws, that sometimes important to show defiance against unjust laws. So I understand the Occupy movement and the. The, we have to sometimes stand up for what we believe in. And I have staged a vigil outside Wormwood Scrubs prison one Sunday where I painted all the slogans to arrest the Home Secretary and to free Roy and Alice Fletcher who were doing the life sentence for murder. And by the end of the year, they were let out. I've, I've done a sit-in sit outside the Old Bailey Court when my friends were sentenced to prison for the Oz obscenity trial in 1972. Yeah. And I was on the front page of the Guardian, surrounded by girls with long hair, blocking the entrance to the court with a row of policemen in front of the door. Yeah, we touched on this earlier, didn't we? I mean, you were mentioning that this, these transformative, individual, uh, you know, shamanic kind of experiences that we can experience in a party may have strong, uh, may form strong changes in the consciousness of the person. So where do you think celebration and, and conscious partying sort of features on this scale, say, in comparison to protest? Well, it's a higher end to it. I think of the alchemical wedding, which was I helped to organize at the Royal Albert Hall in 1968. And John and Yoko were there, and they were in, did their fluxes art, their bag event. But that event, we gathered 3,000 of the most beautiful people, and nothing happened. Jack Moore, who ran the event, just let everybody rustle on and walk through the Albert Hall with his hand in front of his mouth, shh, for silence. And it was strange, because slowly the whole hall became silent and people guffawed and it was a nervous thing and suddenly out of the silence a Hare Krishna guy banged a drum and someone did this and someone started moving and suddenly 
out of that silence, the whole of the Alpha Tall, the floor in front of the stage, was full of swirling bodies. I was one of them. And out of that silence came that magical dance and that awareness. And it not only changed my life, it changed a load of people who were there that life. I've written about it in The Foot Soldier's Tale. Mm. And uh, what, what it did, it, it turned us all into part of the myth with such a mystical experience mm. and that that element of change that organic transformational change you cannot get it from the level of politics because politics is it lacks that awareness of the great forces and great beauty of life the listeners can follow your research over the years of this as you were saying in the is it the foot soldiers what's the, the name foot, it's called echoes of the underground a foot soldier's tales. And in this document, we can get a, almost a full range of, of, of all of Lee's writings on this subject over the years. So do check that out if you want to hear more. Um, thank you so much, Lee. Uh, your really broad experience has really helped us put this subject into context. Um, but I know you're embarking on a new adventure into politics at the moment as you run for mayor of London which I know the listeners are going to be extremely curious about. A challenge, to say the least. For which party are you running? I'm running for the party called Sister. Cannabis is safer than alcohol. And it's founded by a philanthropist and a guy called Paul Birch, who sold a website called Bebo to AOL for £580 million. Mm. So it's well-funded and it needs to change the drug laws together with Richard Branson and there's a whole global movement. There's a paradigm shift. So we're fighting to uh, legalize cannabis for medical use. There should be dispensary, that it should be sold in shops and regulated and taxed and be legal so people have don't have to go into black markets so we've got a great new vision mm. and we think people are very interested and, and will this will this potentially you know if it's successful will this also free up the use of hemp for industrial use as well oh, oh I, I i hope so well, the, the problem with this is there, with use comes abuse and we don't know if big dope will come in the pharmaceutical companies, but hemp was grown in this country many, many years ago. Yeah, Abraham and Lincoln had, had huge it, plantations, didn't he? Yes, and, and you were fined if you didn't grow the hemp because that's how the British got their vast empire because hemp made the sails of the ships. That's where the word canvas comes from, cannabis. Yeah, exactly. And rope, all that. So with all the hemp here, so hemp makes paper. I have shirts made of hemp. Mm. And so hemp is part of cannabis too. And now there's the... Uh, uh, awareness of the cannabinoids and that there are endocannabinoids and receptors within the brain and they're called anandamides and they've recently been discovered so cannabis is medicine it is more than just a recreational use and so, uh, so Lee this sounds fascinating where can the listeners sort of find out more and potentially put their name onto this campaign and support you Yes, I mean, they can show their support by uh, enjoying us, but only people living within London 
and the 33 boroughs, including the city of London, can vote. So, but his uh, sister has a page, has a page, and there's Lee Harris for London Mayor sister, and I have a Facebook page which has uh, quite a lot of the, the information that's sent to me, posts on what's happening with cannabis all over the world. And it's happening so fast from Canada to Australia. So medical marijuana is going to be the next thing. Well, Lee, I'm so, so happy to hear that the, the campaign is making progress, having, you, know, you having put in so many years to this cause. Lee, once again, an enormous thank you to you and wishing you the very, very best with everything um, that you continue to work on for these fantastic causes. Thank you. Bless you and bless all your listeners. One love. Highly committed celebrators and inspirers of the UK's environmental movement, folk band Seize the Day next up. This from their 2006 album, The Tides Are Turning. If you can't beat them, kill them laughing, I say. If you're underwater one morning, don't blame it on global warming. The hole in the sky is just a lie. Icebergs are actually forming. Pumping oil is green. That's how I want it seen. So I've changed my rules to teach your schools a corporate American dream. Globalization, it's a pirate's life for me. We're fighting over each other for your dependency. And as long as you go to war, whenever we want you to, you'll have a tank full of petrol every morning. I say, I say, I say. How many Indonesians does it take to make a pair of trainers? Who cares? Now the workers of the Western world are such a fussy bunch Demanding such conditions as holiday pay and lunch So a strategy here I plotted to foil the workers' plan Is to shut down all their factories here and build them in Taiwan Globalization, it's a pirate's life for me We're fighting over each other for your dependency And as long as you go to war, whenever we want you to You'll have a tank full of petrol every morning
A tank full of petrol, a tank full of petrol, a tank full of petrol every morning. Morning! A tank full of petrol, yeah? radio. I think it'd be rude not to include the mastermind of Alan Watts on this show, especially as Lee mentioned him so aptly just now. The backing track's a little bit dodgy, but Alan shines through. You just can't ignore this guy. My contention, my personal opinion, this is my basic metaphysical axiom, shall we put it that way, that existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. So then, in music, though, one doesn't make the end of a composition the point of the the composition. If that were so, the best conductors would be those who played fastest. And there would be composers who wrote only finales. <laughs> People go to a concert just to hear one crashing chord, because that's the end. <laughs> Same way in dancing. You don't aim at a particular spot in the room. That's where you should arrive. The whole point of the dancing is the dance. Now, but we don't see that as uh, something brought by our education into our everyday conduct. We've got a system of schooling that gives a completely different impression. It's all graded. And what we do is we put the child into the corridor of this grade system with a kind of, come on, kitty, kitty, kitty. And yeah, you go to kindergarten, you know? And that's a great thing because when you finish that, you'll get into first grade. And then come on, first grade leads to second grade and so on. And then you get out of grade school, you go to high school and it's revving up, the thing is coming, then you're gonna go to college, and by Jove, then you get into graduate school, and when you're through with graduate school, you go out to join the world. Then you get into some racket where you're selling insurance, and they've got that quota to make, and you're gonna make that, and all the time, the thing is coming. It's coming, it's coming, that great thing, the, the success you're working for. Then when you wake up one day about 40 years old, you say, my God, I've arrived. <laughs> I'm there. And you don't feel very different from what you always felt. And there's a slight letdown because you feel there's a hoax. And there was a hoax, a dreadful hoax. They made you miss everything by expectation. Look at the people who live to retire and put those savings away. And then when they're 65, they don't have any energy left. They're more or less impotent. And uh, they go and rot in an old people's senior citizens community. (laughs) because we've simply cheated ourselves the whole way down the line. We thought of life by analogy with a journey, with a pilgrimage, which had a serious purpose at the end. The thing was to get to that end, success or whatever it is, or maybe heaven after you're dead. But we missed the point the whole way along. It was a musical thing, and you were supposed to sing or to dance while the music was being played.
shiver down the spine stuff from Tallulah Rendell to wrap up today's show with another fundraiser track, uh, this time for Save the Children. She'd already written the song in the midst of the media storm at the height of the Syrian refugee crisis in late 2015, but was moved to take it straight into the studio the following day after the harrowing news of children Island 3 and Galip Kurdi 5 being found dead on a Turkish beach after an overcrowded boat carrying refugees capsized. Many other children have been separated from their families en route to safer shores, having experienced heartbreaking trauma. So you can support Tallulah's effort to raise money for the stoic Save You The Children effort on the justgiving.com website, searching for Tallulah Rendell. Artists' calls haven't changed much since the Vietnam War. The peaceful protests against the deeply entrenched interests of the fossil fuel and arms trades goes on undeterred. This track is aptly named We Don't Want War. Thanks for joining us, you lot. Scars of a bleeding land, oh, through the fires that began to rain, burning buildings, burning, and the child who will never know, will never grow in his homeland, or the neighbor you'll now never meet, cause he'll never leave the blood. between us oh so hard to just let be cause we don't want war no we don't want war why are the children and the innocent dying out at sea cause they don't want war no don't want war and so we'll sing it from the rafters so the world it can hear we don't want war no we don't want war and so we'll sing it from the so the world we can hear We don't want war, no We don't want war And the innocent left running from their homes But revenge breathes and revenge breeds And so the story grows Oh, revenge breathes and revenge breeds And so the story grows But can we change it? Can we change it? Can we change our ways? Oh, can we change it? Can we change it? Can we change our ways? 
Oh, why are the differences between us so, so hard to just let be? Cause we don't want war, no, we don't want war. Why are the children and the innocent dying out at sea? Cause they don't want war, no, they don't want war. And so we'll sing it from the rafters so the world's awake and here. We don't want war, no, we don't want war. And so we'll sing it from the so the world's awake and here We don't want war, no We don't want war, no We don't want war, no We don't want war anymore No, we don't want war No, we don't want war anymore No, we don't want war No, we don't want war anymore